Mark chapter 1, verse 36. So first we talked about in our series of service, Jesus' um, example. Jesus Christ, He set the example for us. He set it for His disciples. We're supposed to pass that on as a servant. That's the best thing we can do is be an example. Uh, you know, Joshua this morning, uh, Brother Putnam talked about him. Joshua, he had a very good example, didn't he? He had Moses, somebody that he fought around. I love that passage that he told where how God spoke to Moses face to face there in the tabernacle. But Joshua, he didn't depart. Joshua hung around there. I mean, Joshua, he saw what was going on in the life of Moses. And he wanted some of that. He wanted to be a part of that. Well, Moses is clearing everybody out. I don't know if Joshua snuck in there. I don't know what all went into it. But Josh was like, I want to see this. Um, Elijah and Elisha is another great example. Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And I don't just want what you have. I want double. Imagine if people saw us and our testimony and our religion and they said, I want what you have. I want your Savior. In fact, I want to be closer to Him than you are. I want, I want your church. I want your joy. I want your lifestyle. I want these things. And I want all in. That would, I mean, what a difference that would make. And Jesus, He set that example. Jesus was a leader. He recruited. And if you're not that kind of a good example, nobody's going to follow you. If you're miserable, nobody's going to want to follow you except for people who enjoy being miserable. And so then today though, Another thing we're going to look at in the life of Christ are Jesus' miracles. Jesus' miracles. And we're going to read verse 36 of chapter 1. It says, And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next town, and the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Jesus said, I've got a, a mission uh, there's a reason that I'm here right now. I've got to, I've got to preach. I've got a message to give these people. All right? We have a message that we need to be getting to the world. We've got a message we need to be getting to our friends, our family, our community. We've got a message that we need to give them. Jesus wanted to tell them something. And of course, He was wanting to give them the Gospel. And that's what we're wanting to give. The plan of salvation is that simple. That's what we're really all about here. You know why we have a food pantry? It's, I mean, we have, Obviously, we want to help people if they're hungry. But we mainly are hoping it will give us an opportunity to give them a message. Uh, Most churches, when they have different programs to reach out and to help people in the community, yeah, they want to help, but ultimately it's about trying to get them the plan of salvation. And there's a lot of churches now that are doing all the good stuff work, but they never give the plan of salvation. And then that's kind of, you're only going to accomplish so much. That's the most important thing. So Jesus, He wants to do that. And then verse 39... And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Notice Jesus, when he went to go and give this message out. He didn't just preach, but He performed miracles. He did things for these people. 
And you know, we've got a message that we need to give. And if we're going to be able to get this message across to them, if they are going to listen to us over the false witnesses that are out there, if they're going to listen to us over the people that they're hearing on the television, and if they're going to listen to us over the news media, they need to see some miracles. And I might get scared and say, I can't do any miracles. I can't cleanse any lepers. I can't do anything like that. Well, there are some things that we can do. And I think we're getting away from these things. That's why we're struggling sometime to recruit like we're supposed to and to lead the way we need to. But the world was and still is, they're looking for signs. They're looking for miracles. And you know what? Really the world, whether they know it or not, they're still looking for a Messiah. Our world is looking for somebody to come and fix all the problems. A lot of times they think it's the president. They think it's a political leader. They think it's somebody like that. They're looking for a Messiah. We can help point other people to Christ by doing extraordinary things in the name of Christ. Go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Now listen, when we talk about doing miracles, this isn't about making ourselves look good. It's not about being a Benny Hen and wearing all your fancy suits and fancy rings and having your big fancy stages where you get thousands and thousands of people come and the TV cameras and going around and putting a big show of blowing in people's faces and making them pass out and doing all the goofy stuff that he does. That's not what it's about. It's not about, it's not about that kind of thing. It's not about exalting ourselves. It's about exalting Christ. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man came from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered in with them under the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. In this story, we see that this guy, he had something he needed. He's crippled. Okay, He's crippled. If you're crippled, especially back in those days, you're going to have a tough time getting a job. You're going to have a tough time doing the work you need to get food for yourself. I mean, you're going to have a really tough time surviving in that day and age being a cripple. These people had to depend upon the charity of other people. They would sit at those gates because they were busy places where people were constantly coming through. And they would beg alms of people. And here this man, he's there begging alms and he sees Peter and John, or Peter and Andrew, whichever two it was. And he sees them, or Peter and John, and he's thinking he's going to get something from them. He thinks they're going to give him money. And Peter tells him, he said, I don't have any silver or gold. But he said, I've got something better. And you notice Peter says, but such as I give you, I give in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And a miracle happened that day. And people saw it. And they believed. And Jesus did the same thing while He was on earth. He provided for people's needs 
in a miraculous way. Luke chapter 7, verse 19 through 23. And John calling on him two of his disciples sent to them to Jesus saying, Art thou he that should come or look we for another? And we've read this verse before. And uh, he goes on verse 21. Jesus says to son of them, Go your way and tell John. Uh, or verse 20. Or verse 21, in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. John's wondering, John's having some doubts, he's going through a difficult time, and Jesus said, Hey, look what you've seen, look what's taken place. Then Jesus answered, Send them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, uh, to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Jesus, he recognized their needs. A blind person, they need to see. A leper needs to be cleansed. Somebody who's dead needs to be resurrected. And whatever it was that was needed, Jesus did those things. And I say, so Brother Tom, are you saying that we need to figure out, we need to get spiritual enough that we can start raising people from the dead? That we can start you know, healing people of their diseases? And I'm not saying that because the truth is, it's very clear in the Bible that Jesus was never really impressed or even excited by people being healed, somebody being raised from the dead. I mean, could you imagine what you or I would do if we saw somebody raised from the dead? I mean, we'd go crazy. Can you imagine if we did it? If we were the one that raised somebody from the dead? I mean... We wouldn't know what to do. We'd be so excited. I mean, we'd, we'd just be going nuts. We'd probably faint dead away. Jesus Christ, He would do these things and it was no big deal. Jesus, I mean, I'm not saying He didn't care. He cared about these people. In the story we read in Mark, He looked on the man and He had compassion on him. He cared about that individual, but Jesus was never, He never impressed Himself with these miracles. While other people saw it and they wondered with great admiration, Jesus is just no big deal. Jesus is just thinking, hey, I just want to get this message to these people. And what was it that excited Jesus? It excited Jesus when people had faith. Remember the centurion we talked about last week? Jesus said, I haven't seen a faith like this in Israel. He got excited. He pointed out to His disciples the widow when she gave the two mites Jesus got excited. You know why? Because He saw her faith. The things that get Jesus excited are the, are the little things of, when we have faith in the little things. When we show that faith and that trust in Christ, and when we do that, He does the miracles. You and I can't do, we can't do miracles on our own power. Only Jesus Christ can do miracles. But we do need to be doing amazing things for other people. And the question that keeps coming is, how can I do amazing things for other people? Well, that's where maybe you're going to have to have a little bit of faith. Where you're going to have to step out on faith. And you know, we can, you know, we can tell other people, hey, you know what? You just need to trust God and God can get you through this thing. God can handle it. But can you trust God enough where you would meet that person's needs? If maybe there's somebody that's hungry and they're not sure how they're going to buy groceries, hey, the Lord's going to provide for. I've got faith. I've got all the faith in the world that the Lord is going to take care of you. I believe it with all my heart. But do you believe with all your heart? Do you have the faith that you could come up with the money to go buy the groceries and that the Lord will take care of you? Really? And that's the kind of thing that we need to do 
if we're going to make a difference. People have got to see that this faith thing, this belief in Christ, this trust in Christ is real to us. If we're not willing to have faith, if we're not willing to put ourselves out there, why would they? And if we're going to be able to do this, if we're going to be able to meet other people's needs, one thing we have to be able to do, like Jesus, is one, Jesus, He clearly understood the needs of the people. We need to learn and, and to try to have the uh, ability and to have the discernment to be able to understand what it is that folks really need. John 4.13 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. It's the story of the woman at the well. She's there, she comes, and Jesus looks at her. She's a Samaritan woman, but Jesus still loves her anyway. And she has a need right now. Well, she's needing some water, isn't she? But Jesus looked at her and He knows she needs something much more than just ordinary water. She needs living water. And then Jesus goes on and He's talking to her. He said, "But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She's saying, Lord, give me the water. In a sense, it's like she's... I don't know if maybe she took her bucket or took a cup and said, Lord, give me some of that water. I want that. And she's thinking, I'm going to have some kind of water. I'm going to drink it. and It's a magic cure. I'm never thirsty again. But notice what Jesus says. She's thinking about her thirst that she probably had. And Jesus said then to her, go and call thy husband to come hither. Jesus knows what's going on. She's like, I don't have any husband. And He's like, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. The guy you're with isn't your husband. In fact, you've had five husbands beside him. Jesus here, what's he's not he's not trying to pick out honor. He's not being all legalistic. He's it's like people like to say if you call out sin. You know what Jesus is doing right here? Jesus is trying to point out to her that she is a sinner. She needed to recognize that she was a sinner. Jesus is told, Hey, I'm the one that can give you this water of life. Jesus is trying to show her that she's a Savior. Jesus here is wanting to give her the gospel because that's what she really needed. She didn't need water. You can get water anytime. She had a well. She was going to be fine. She wasn't going to die of thirst. She needed salvation. We need to learn and look and be able to tell what it is people need. Sometimes people might need just some encouragement. We've got to be able to recognize that. We need to pay attention to the needs of others. Sometimes people are down and they're discouraged and they just need some encouragement. Sometimes they might need it. They might need some prayer. Maybe they're going through something that's personal. Maybe it's something really difficult. And there really is nothing we can do, but we can pray for those people. Sometimes people might need some kind of material needs. They might need help financially. They might need help with food or or who knows what, maybe clothing. We don't we, we need that's why we need to watch. We need to pay attention. And we need to see what it is that people really need. And sometimes people think they need all kinds of crazy things. Well, you know, be praying that I win the lottery. Well, they don't need to win the lottery. They need to learn to trust in God for their finances. You know, we need, they, they, a lot of times they think all these other things, and we need to learn and to recognize what it is they really need, and then help them get it. And it will make a difference. But we're gonna, that might mean we have to sacrifice some things. We might have to do without some things. We need to learn to recognize those needs. You ought to be willing to do without so someone else can have. Jesus, though, He didn't just recognize the needs. Jesus did something 
about it. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 24. Matthew 4 and verse 24. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that had the palsy. And he healed them. Now, why did Jesus do that? What they really need is they need salvation. They need the Gospel. But Jesus, He recognized their needs. He understood what they needed. He wanted them to have it. And the truth is, if somebody would have come to Jesus with leprosy, I can't imagine how painful that would be, how disgusting that would be, what kind of life that would be. If they have leprosy, that's all they're thinking about. it. And you and I know it. Listen, when we have a headache, what do we think about? Our headache. That's all we're thinking about. I mean, when I get have a headache, I get in a bad mood. I get in a bad mood fast. I mean, because you know what? I'm not really thinking about the feelings of other people. I'm thinking about the feeling in my head. And when I'm when I get hungry, maybe I'm the only, I don't know if I'm the only one. You get hungry, you get grumpy. You know why? Because you're thinking about your hunger. And if you come to me when I have a headache, it's like, you know what's all in your head. Just quit thinking about. I've said that to people before. Just mess with them. I've got a headache. That's all in your head. (laughs) You know that usually doesn't encourage people very much. But I I get a good laugh out of it usually. But when if somebody's hungry, just just don't think about it. Let's think about something else. Why don't we? You know, somebody's starving. Hey, listen. I I know you're hungry, but let's let's think. Let's talk about baseball. That will help you get your mind off your hunger and it will take care of your problem. Do you think that person is going to listen? Do you want to talk about baseball? No, they're going to get angry. They're not going to listen. And Jesus, He's understanding. And He didn't go to them and say, what's wrong with you people? Don't you know that your eternal soul is a lot more important than your physical body? Why don't you just stop worrying about your pain, stop worrying about your sickness, and start worrying about the plan of salvation. Start worrying about your soul. They wouldn't listen to Him. Jesus understood them. He had compassion on them. And He went and He healed them of their diseases. And then He was able to preach to them. And He was able to do what they really needed. The thing that they really needed to get, Jesus was able to take care of it. He did something, But He did something about those other things. And we've got to pay attention to that stuff with other people. We've got to try to be there for them. And try to... Do miracles? I can't do miracles. Listen to some people. You know, fifty bucks would be a miracle, unexpected. Maybe you know, gas in their car would be a miracle. To them, they don't know how they're going to do it. They don't know where their next meal is going to come from. There, for some people, maybe a friend would be a miracle. You don't know what they're going through. Maybe their last friend has just deserted them and just abandoned them and they've gotten in a big fight with them and they're feeling like, I don't have any friends. You know, I mean, it's sad when you hear about all the people that are out there committing suicide these days. These people feel like that there is nothing left for them. And some of them, a friend would have changed all that. And as a friend, if we would be that friend to them, then we could introduce them to a better friend, Jesus Christ. If somebody's there and they're friendless, they have nobody that's caring about them. And they're down, they're depressed, and they're, they're crying. You go up to them and it's like, what are you doing crying? Don't you know Jesus is your friend? Why don't you talk to Him? 
they're not, they're not even saved, they're not going to be able to just, oh, okay, I'm going to pray, I'm going to feel all better. They need a human friend first, and then we can introduce them to Christ, and then He'll save them, and then they'll learn to have that relationship with Him. And boy, sometimes we just get so spiritual in how we talk. We're just no good to anybody. And boy, we need we need to work on that. And Jesus Christ, He did. He took care of these physical needs. What they really needed. He didn't just go and give them every little thing they wanted. I don't see one verse in the Bible where Jesus provided big screen TVs for people. And when He gave you know the only kid in the classroom that didn't have a cell phone a cell phone, He didn't He didn't do any of that. So He gave them the things they really needed. Things that were important. And Jesus also was impartial about it. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 in verse 5. When Jesus entered into Capernaum, there was, uh, came unto him a centurion beseeching him. We looked at him, I believe it was last week or the week before, saying, Lord, my servant lies sick at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. This man wasn't a Jew. He was a Roman. He was a centurion. He was an enemy of Israel. Jesus he was a good guy. We see that. He was good to the children of Israel. But, you know, I think it's safe to say Jesus would have helped them anyway. Especially with that faith that this man had. Jesus was impartial. He did uh, heal the child of the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus was good to people who... You know, I wonder how many people, I don't know, we don't know the names of everyone that Jesus healed and did miracles for. We don't know the names of everyone that He fed uh, the of the 5,000. We don't know the names of the people who cried out, crucify Him. Crucify Him. So I've often wondered if some of them were the same people. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. But Jesus still was impartial. Jesus washed the feet of Judas who was already decided He was going to betray Him. Jesus washed the feet of Peter who was going to deny Him only hours later. And there's going to be people out there that we're trying to reach. Maybe even people in our church that maybe they're not saved or maybe they're not right with God. We need to reach out to them too. And you know what? Maybe they are plotting something against you. Maybe they are talking about you behind your back and they have nothing good to say about you. Maybe they are going to eventually cause you trouble. But as a servant, we're not... Going around picking and choosing. Who are we ultimately servants of? We're servants of God. And He was impartial. And He told us to follow His example. So I think it's safe to say we need to be that way too. We don't just go and try to be a blessing to people that can be a blessing to us. We don't just go and help those who can help help us back. We try to. You're impartial across the board. And really, that's that's a miracle these days. We're seeing that less and less. But also. Jesus glorified the Father, not Himself. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill Him, because He not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was His Father, making Himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He seeth the Father do. For what things soever He doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth Him all things that Himself doeth, and He will show Him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. 
And then verse 21, "...for as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom He will." Jesus, He's doing all these amazing things, but notice he's, Jesus made it clear in His ministry who was giving Him the power to do this. Jesus said, "...I came not to do My own will, but the will of Him that sent Me." When Jesus was healing somebody, when Jesus was doing a miracle, hey, this is the Father's will that I do this. Jesus, at the beginning of His ministry, really before His ministry even started, when He was just a boy talking to those wise men there in Jerusalem, and His parents were wondering what's going on, He said, "Wist ye not that I must be about My Father's business?" Say, so, hey, I'm doing, I'm doing God's work. This is the what I have was given to me by the Father. And sometimes when we do things for other people, if we're not careful, we might get a little bit of praise from people and we'll sometimes take that praise. Yeah, I was able to do that because of my great abilities. I was able to do that because of me, because I'm I'm this or because I'm that. Dangerous stuff right there. We do not want to be doing that. The glory goes to the Father for everything that's done. And let me because let me tell you something. If for example, let's say um, it, that I want I want to help somebody. I want to be a blessing to somebody, and I want them to know it. All right, and so I, maybe there maybe there's a individual out there, maybe a missionary, and as at Liberty Baptist Church, we want to be a blessing to them, and so we point Brother Lonnie. Hey, Brother Lonnie, this missionary, he's going to be over at this place. I want you. We're going to have you take. The money to him. Say this is a gift from Liberty Baptist Church. We're praying for you. We want to be a blessing. We take up a big offering. I mean, big offering. Everybody just got you know, bonuses and stuff, and we're feeling generous. We just we raised a thousand dollars for him. We take it over to that missionary, and Brother Lonnie goes and takes it to him. He says, "Here's a thousand dollars from me." Well, yeah, it's partly from him too. He gave him the offering. He's a part of the church, but. Hey, we wanted him to know that hey, Liberty Baptist Church is praying for him. Liberty Baptist Church is thinking about it, and he goes and takes all the credit for himself. And, you know, I guarantee you, if we find that out, maybe later on I'm somewhere and I come across that missionary. And I was like, man, I had this guy. His name was Lonnie. Man, I didn't know this guy from Adam, and he come, he gave me a thousand dollars out of his own pocket. I did, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what would that guy look like? <laughs> he happened to mention his last name. He's like, yeah, Robinette. Wait a minute. He gave that money to you? That wasn't from him. <laughs> it's like, hey, that was Liberty Baptist Church. I guarantee you, next offering, he's not going to be the one delivering it. He's not going to be the one that we're going to use. That this guy is going to go and take all the credit for it. The credit doesn't belong to him. It came from the people of Liberty Baptist Church. We did it in the name of the church. We did it in the name of Christ. And when God gives us the ability to do something for Him, we're supposed to do it in His name. In the name of Jesus Christ. And when we're taking all the praise for it, when we're taking all the credit for it, you think God's going to keep using us? on these things. If we have something bigger comes up, maybe we raise $10,000 for a ministry, I guarantee it's not going to be Him. Because we can't trust Him. And same thing applies with us. Why is God going to continue using us if we're taking all the credit even in the small things? Maybe God has given you the gift. Uh, he's, he's given you an ability to be a help in a certain area. 
And you listen, people are going to thank you and they're going to praise you, but give the glory to God. Hey, a lot of the nice things I do, I wouldn't do them if I wasn't a Christian. They go against my nature. I'm doing them because I'm trying to be obedient to God. Some listen, folks. Sometimes I do. You know, I show up at church and I preach the gospel, and I'm a nice guy just because I'm trying to please God. You know, I'm sometimes I'm in a bad mood. Sometimes I get aggravated at people. You know what? I don't feel like being a nice guy today. I don't feel like helping anybody else today. I feel like helping myself. But it's that Holy Spirit that dwells inside me that gets me to say, you know, forget about yourself. You do it for me, and. If you're, if I'm being a blessing, it's most of the time it's because it's because of God, not because of me. It's Him that gave me the ability to do these things. It's Him that motivates me to do these things. It's Him that gives me the inspiration to do the things I do. We've got to give Him the glory for it. And if God is being glorified in the things we're doing, there's going to be greater things. And you know what? The day may even come. The day may even come where you go and you visit somebody in the hospital. Maybe who has cancer. And you're going to go and you're going to pray for that individual. And pray for them. God's healing hand to come on them. And you know what? He just may do it. Brother Tommy, if, if that happened, you know, that, I, I just don't know if I believe in that. Uh, you know, I, I heard um, Brother Wendell Runyon, I believe it was. I believe, I believe it was Brother Wendell Runyon. He's going to be preaching here in August. You're, you're going to love this man. Uh, great man of God. But, he had got, had a test done, I believe, for cancer and uh, for a tumor or something. I don't remember what it was. It was some, had something to do with cancer, and they found his, they found it was positive. He had he had cancer, and boy, they started praying for him. He's getting up there in years, and the last thing he needs to be dealing with is chemo and all that stuff. And boy, people, a lot of people were praying for him. And he went back and he had another test done after people had been praying for him, and it was gone. And somebody asked them, they said, you know, Brother Runyon, you know, which one of those tests do you think was right? And he said, both of them. He said, I think both of them are right. I think I had cancer and the Lord healed me. But you know, if you talk to doctors, if you talk to scientists, uh, the first one was probably wrong. And here's the thing about miracles. Here's a little secret about miracles. You never can prove that they were a miracle. It's really all about faith. You, can never, you can't really prove it. It's really, hey, you know, but I, I've, I've been in incidents before. I remember one time we were driving down the road with Dad, and I remember this semi pulled out right in front of us, and man, we went flying off the road, like down into a ditch, and right back up the other part of the ditch, and right back on the road. I mean, it happened fast. Seems like we should have turned the car over. If you talk to my dad, he'd probably tell you it was my great driving skills if you asked him. But you know what? I've often wondered, man, I almost wonder if the hand of the Lord wasn't in that. And He may have been. I can't prove it. A miracle may have happened right there that day. I don't know. There's all kinds of things that I've seen, things I've experienced that I think may have been, that I believe were miracles, but I can't prove them. And the truth is, if we start giving God the glory in all these things, you may actually get to experience and be a part of the healing hand of God and see something like that. You never know. And But I promise, if you're not glorifying God, He's not going to help you on the big things. But lastly, though, Jesus, His love for folks, it was clearly, it was clearly genuine. Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Mark chapter 10, verse 21. 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, 
This is talking about the rich young ruler. Jesus beholding him, loved him. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and take up the cross and follow Me. Jesus looked at this man and He, he loved him. I really believe that's one of the reasons that Jesus was as effective as He was. His love was genuine. And here's the thing, folks. We're trying, we want to be servants. We want to be an example. We want to be leaders. We're trying to be recruiting and expand. And if our love is not genuine, people can tell. People can tell the real thing. They're going to know it. And genuine love for somebody that's unlovable, it is a miracle. The fact that Jesus Christ loved us is a miracle. You study God and you study man, there's no reason why we should be loved. That's a miracle of God that He loves us. If that can be, if we can take that, that love that's in us, it's that love that Christ gives us. He shows us how to love the unlovable. And because of Him, we also should be able to love the unlovable. And when we do that, folks, that's a miracle right there. That unconditional love. That being loving to those who are not loving to us. That doing good to those that hate you. And praying for them to despitefully use you. That loving your enemies. All that stuff... That is a miracle. And you know that because it's not easy, is it? I mean, you you know that it's tough. Even with the Holy Spirit inside of you, if you're not careful, you're going to fail in those things. I've heard many people talk about, you know, whenever, you know, after they get saved, and they start facing some different tests with people. And I've heard people many times, they come to me and boy, something happens that it just made them mad. It's like, I'm telling you, before I was saved, I'd have done this. I'd have, you know, I'd have, I would have punched him right in the nose. I would have probably killed that person before I got saved. But they didn't. You know why? Because now the Holy Spirit dwells inside them. He gives them the ability to maybe turn the other cheek or, or to walk away. He gives them the ability to even love that person. And that is a miracle. And listen, people aren't stupid. If you know your neighbor that's just the jerk of jerks, that's the biggest idiot on the face of the planet, that coworker that you just can't stand... They know. They know they're honoring. They know they're giving you grief. And they know they don't deserve to be loved. But when they get something that's genuine from you in return, that's going to have an impact. That is going to be a miracle. And when they see that type of thing, and we are able to use that and point them to Christ, that's the kind of thing that's going to help us to recruit more servants. That's the kind of thing that's going to help us be a leader we need to get in the miracle working business. I'm not talking about putting on fancy shows. Listen, it's not about so we can get somebody up on stage and do something really neat to impress people. That's not what it's about. It's really kind of an individual thing. Something we do one-on-one with other people. Something that we do behind the scenes that maybe nobody else knows about. Something that we might not ever get any earthly credit for. It's that kind of thing that's going to have impact on individuals so we can make it make a difference. But miracles that people need, people need. Right now, people need miracles of healing. James chapter five, verse fourteen. James chapter five, verse fourteen. For some reason you know, we're all about taking the Bible literally when it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, we're all for taking the Bible literally when it talks about heaven, when it talks about hell. We're all for following, 
you know, going down the line and following all of these details on that. But this is one we're getting away from, and it really to me is sad. But James chapter five verse fourteen says, "Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him." Well, that sounds kind of weird. Anointing somebody with oil, having everybody come and pray over him. What if it doesn't work? Listen, it's not about getting our will and getting whatever we want. But boy, what a horrible attitude. What if it doesn't work? Should we do this? You know, our attitude ought to be, hey, we're going to do this whether it works or not. Because this is the will of God that we bring before the elders of the church, that we anoint them with oil, that we pray over them. That's the will of God. For us to do, us to pray for them, okay. Whether it's His will to heal them completely, to you know, without any type of uh, you know medical help, or to heal them with medical help, or to not heal them at all, that that's up to God. Our attitude would be, hey, God said to do it. Let's just go ahead and do it. I, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about. I was like, well, have you tried that? It's like you know, and well, you know. We, I try, you know, like I was um, with uh, when it comes to a lot of women that are trying to have children. I always ask them, "Have you tried that?" Well, yeah, we prayed about it, but we haven't done the only with oil. Well, why not? Go ahead. Bible says do it. Go ahead and do it. Just take the Bible literally. Go ahead and do it. So that's kind of weird. Hey, doesn't matter. The Bible says to do it, and we need it. We need to get literal in this stuff. We need to do it. People, there's people that need that stuff. They need healing. They might need mental healing. There's people that are in agonizing pain. They need, uh, they need that taken care of. Uh, miracles of provision. James chapter two, verse sixteen and seventeen. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? People need provisions out there. There's folks right now. That, like I said before, if they had fifty dollars, would be a miracle to them. They're praying for it. They're praying for food. I remember when, not long after my dad started the church, there at Lighthouse, we got to a point where you know, really, really poor, didn't have any money, totally out of money. Remember, he said he paid his tithe, and that pretty much was all he had left. And we needed groceries and the cupboards. We're getting bare. And he was just praying. I remember he had given everybody in church a little seed. And uh, he was talking about you know planting seeds and asking God to use that and do something with it. And he, I remember he said he pulled the seed out of his wallet and he looked at it and was like, Lord, you know, I need you to do something with this seed. I need, I need something to happen. And he got home and got a phone call from a pastor in Rockford. that They had a big food pantry there. He said, for the time we've just been thinking about you and praying about you and was wondering if you could use some groceries. When he got home right then, he's like, oh, yeah, we really, yeah, we could use some groceries. Well, you know what? There's there's, we've got a couple ladies on our way down right now with some groceries. They were on their way there just a little bit later. Two full carloads. Full carloads of groceries. I mean, good stuff. And he just, all kinds of food. I mean, food, toilet paper, things, you know, other things like that. I mean, right there, the Lord took 
care of it. And there's so many things like that. You know what? That was a miracle. That was a miracle. And you know what? We need to do those kind of things for for other people. Maybe other Christians who are maybe not as strong in their faith as you are. Maybe for somebody who's lost. You know, even lost people sometimes pray. Uh, God can't hear their prayers. You know, I, not like ours maybe, but you know, God knows what's going on in their lives. And you know what? Maybe if we could help bring about a miracle for those people, they might listen to us about the plan of salvation. The miracles of love and friendship. John 11, verse 34. I'm going to give you just, I'm going to close with this. Now this is, this is just a th- one of, one of my theories. Uh, I really, I don't know for sure, but you know, I've never seen a picture, uh, of Mary and Martha. I've never seen, uh, on a movie with Mary and Martha where they weren't a beautiful woman. I personally think we've, Mary, she had seven devils in her at one time. Listen, that doesn't just happen accidentally. That happens as a result of sin, getting involved in junk. And you know, when people get deep into sin, it shows in their body. It shows in their face. We've got two women here that were never married. Two women that are living with their brother. Man, I love my sisters to death. I thank God that after I became an adult, that I was able to move out of the house. And I'm not living with my sisters. I love them to death. But I wouldn't want to live with them still. If it was just us, I'd be going crazy. And here we've got a guy who can't seem to find a wife. We've got two ladies that can't find a wife. You know what? I'm just going to guess that if we were to see these people, I don't think they were much to look at. I think they were probably people who maybe had been deep in sin before. I don't know. That's just that's my personal feeling when it comes to these people. But you remember when Lazarus died. Lazarus, Mary, Martha, they were close friends of Jesus. They were close friends because of how much they loved Him. The people that Jesus loved the most. Okay, And there were people that Jesus was closer to. That's clear in the Bible. There was John, the beloved disciple. He laid on Jesus' breast. He tried to get as close to Him as possible. And Jesus would be that way with us if we if we cared about Him that much. But Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, they loved Jesus like crazy. And so as a result, that Jesus was able to show love to them like He would like to show to everybody, but not everybody will receive. There are some people that uh, your friends that you might have that you're closer to them because they're close to you. They care about you. They pay attention to you. There's others that they don't seem to care about you, and it's hard to get close to those people. But these, Jesus loved these people, and when Lazarus had died, Jesus, he shows up there, and verse, John 11-34, and they said, where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. They're looking and, I know Jesus wasn't crying because of the fact that Lazarus was dead. He was crying because of their unbelief. But it was true and it was clear that Jesus really loved this man. I mean, He really loved him. And the people saw that love that Jesus had and it it really overwhelmed them. And if we would have that same kind of love towards other people, it's going to speak loudly. It's miraculous. It's going to get the attention of those people. It's going to get the attention of other people. And we can have a bigger impact 
and we can make a difference. But we've got to have that real love. So right now, I'd like us all to stand together tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed.